0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome to Bears Over Fears. I'm Jeff Perkins. Writer from Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined as always by EJ, a little bit of a summer break, but we're back at it because the Bears are back at it. They are in training camp starting now, and so we are going to get our training camp on. We're going to lose that summer weight that we've gained, and we're going to get going with some beers. Right? Let's let's get back into this. Let's hop in. That's a perfect way to lose weight. <laughs> Beers after your
0: summer. We got to get into
1: season shape,
0: right? That's right. We got to get into mid season form. So we're going to kick that off. But it's great to have the Bears back and, and quite frankly, all the other teams back as well. It's real news. Uh, we can get past some of the maybe not real news that we're going to talk about, but absolutely brought a good beer. Um, one you're familiar with Mirror Pond Pale Ale from Bend, Oregon to Chutes Brewery. Um, a classic summer brew, very drinkable. A uh, lot of flavor, uh, and they're putting it in cans these days. They used oh. to put it, in, they put it in cans and bottles, but these are pretty handy if you're going to go backpacking or something like that, so you can take your favorite Deschutes brew with you. What do you have?
1: Well, I have something from Wise Acre Brewing Company, which is out of Memphis, Tennessee. Why would I pick that? particular locale we will find out here in a little bit uh, it is called gotta get up to get down it is a coffee milk stout um, I have been holding this since last year hoping Ooh. to bring it on after a big Anthony Miller game <laughs> and uh, yeah that didn't you, happen you kind of got your wish you got a big piece of Anthony Miller news but we will get to some Anthony Miller news here in a little bit but let's get yeah. these going. I love the name. Got to get up to get down. That's that's awesome. It's a great name. Probably been in my fridge for too long to be that enjoyable, and it has probably been sitting on the desk for too long as we talk for an hour before we started recording, as we sometimes do. Uh, and so we will see how good of a beer this is, but has to be out of the fridge now because, well... <laughs> Anthony Miller is no longer a Chicago Bear. All right, we'll get to that in a minute. I do want to talk about something non-bears first, and then we're gonna talk we're gonna talk all about wide receivers in this episode. The first thing I want to talk about, and I don't want to talk about it very long, that guy that plays for the Packers, number 12, a lot of offseason drama. He goes and does Jeopardy, he's you know vacationing with, uh, with the girlfriend who does the movies and the TV shows, and you know, it kind of seems like he's not really that interested in football, and then we learn, like, oh, he reported to camp. Of course he did. Yes, it would have been great had he been traded, but the Packers weren't going to do that, and they hold all the cards, and he was under contract, and I, yeah, I thought maybe he could have held firm and decided to walk away from the game. He's 39 years old. He's done everything he needs to do to get into the Hall of Fame. He's won a ring. He could walk away if he wanted to, but it was never really that likely. And once the draft passed, all this seemed like he's going to show up. What that means, in my opinion, and I want to hear what you think, is that, unfortunately, I think the Packers are going to be dang good this year. And I think we need to recalibrate our expectations for just how good this, this Packers team is with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. And he played at an MVP level last year. They were a bad coaching decision away from probably making a Super Bowl and potentially winning a Super Bowl with him. This is a very talented team. I know we're all excited about what Justin Fields is going to do and bring, but we need to recalibrate our expectations that the Packers still own this division.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and it did hinge on his decision, if you want to call it that, I'm putting up air quotes around his decision, because this was always the most likely outcome. Now, did people get a glimmer of hope that he might just say, screw it, and walk away? Uh, sure. You know, I entertained that pretty often in my, you know, daydream <laughs> fantasies about, hey, what would it be like if, but if you'd asked me... Ever, what was most likely it was this that he would return because he's not going to turn down the money and he's not going to turn down a chance again to be on a very good football team it would be different if the packers were say where the lions are now and he was looking at going back taking some punishment and maybe breaking 500 no matter how well he played that would be a very different piece of calculus and as you've said accurately The Packers are not there. They are a very talented team, but the outcome of how the Packers go and how the division goes was always hinging on if one of the best quarterbacks to ever play comes back, they're good and they're in the driver's seat. If he doesn't, ooh, they're still going to be good, but they're going to have a serious drop-off because any quarterback, it's not a statement about love or whether or not he will be good. It's Aaron Rodgers and just about anybody else in the league, you're going to experience a drop-off, especially somebody that doesn't have a ton of playing time. So their fortunes were very different, whether he reported back or didn't. But once he reports back, which he has, did that today, yeah, they are still in the driver's seat again, dependent on injury and whatever else. But it is their division to lose, even with improvements on other teams around the division.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Would have been a lot more fun, obviously, if he wouldn't have been there, and or like if he, you know, has a back spasm before week one, as you suggested to me, uh, <laughs> that he could happen to just make a power play and, and and collect his check. But you know, if he plays and he's healthy and he goes after it, you know, th- again, this team is a juggernaut right now, and, and it's it's going to be a tough tough year for Bears fans that like seeing the Packers lose as much as they like seeing the Bears win, which I am one of those fans. Enough Rogers talk. We'll move on. So I want to focus on wide receivers because a lot's happened since we last talked in this wide receiver room. And the the first thing is that Anthony Miller finally got traded. I think we all expected this after that playoff game where he took the bait uh, from Chanth- uh, Chauncey uh, – John- what is it? Chauncey <laughs> gardner Gardner-Johnson, Johnson. yes, uh, indeed. Gardner-Johnson. I was going to say J- Johnson Gardner. He baited him. Miller took the bait after – uh uh, Javon Wims had done that in the regular season got into a fight with him got kicked out of the game it just looked like there's no way that Anthony Miller is going to be able to survive that given all of the other issues that he's had throughout the years he's traded to the Texans with a seventh round pick for the Texans fifth round pick so what that means is that the Texans are probably going to be the worst team in the league this year. If not, they're going to be a bottom five team. Like, they, I cannot see them getting better than a bottom five team record this year. And they are going to pick towards the top of the fifth round. It's not a bad pick, um, given what the value for Miller was league-wide. Now, the Texans are kind of the maybe the one team that Ryan Pace can try to fool into a, a decent trade. And he found his, his target and he took advantage. It's obviously not very good return for a player that Ryan Pace traded future capital at the time to be able to trade up to to acquire him. So my question to you is, you were a big Anthony Miller fan coming out of Memphis. What went wrong here? Yeah, it's a fantastic question, and it's one I know Bears fans are asking,
0: so I'm glad you did as well. And it comes down to consistency not ability and i want to make that really clear that anthony miller is a very able football player he was in college um he was a sort of a late riser or late favorite of mine in the process my early leader in the clubhouse that year at wide receiver that i really liked for the same role was dj moore and i came across anthony miller late in the process just got to him sort of later in the roles and i thought man this guy is just like dj moore all right and super athletic really tough with the ball in his hands as we've all seen a great route runner when he runs the right route physically again in terms of ability has a tremendous snap can separate is really physical doesn't like to go down after the catch somewhat inconsistent hands but it was more the inconsistency with efforts and route right some games And this was a trend I spotted that you and I have talked about before, that if Anthony Miller got involved early, typically if he had a catch or two in the first quarter or two, he was going to have an okay game, maybe even a very good game, because he did have some very good games in Chicago. But if he was blanked for the first half, watch out. It was unlikely that he was going to light up the third and fourth quarter. Now, some fans may pop specific stats out of his tenure in Chicago and say but 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 he had this one game it's not about the one game we go back to the consistency versus ability had the ability to be a dominating player to be a top wide receiver certainly a number two in the NFL he's got that kind of ability he never brought that consistently he would flash one week and look amazing completely disappear the next week and there was a lot of talk about grasp of the playbook there was talk certainly about chemistry with quarterbacks or lack thereof just never maximizing it's tough to watch because the other player i mentioned dj moore has been a model of consistency through different quarterback play in carolina and is a very good wide receiver so you know if i could go back and switch my vote i would i had those guys graded very very similarly but in terms of how they've maximized their talent as pros it's no question that dj moore's been the better pro so maybe anthony miller gets a fresh start it's not a bad trade uh you know you're basically moving up you know two and a half rounds if you're assuming that the bears uh seventh round pick would be a mid-round pick or maybe a little bit lower in the seventh going pretty much right to the top of the fifth is is a real value you probably picked up honestly a full round more than i thought miller would have had value and the one team in the league that might give up a bad trade would be the Texans, and there he goes. So, pretty interesting move. Bears come out of it, I think, as well as they could, or maybe even a little bit better than I expected. Miller hopefully gets a fresh start, and Chicago gets to kind of watch its hands and and move on to the folks that they have in the room that we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a path to snaps for Miller. Uh, it's going to be on a team that's not going to be very good. And so he's going to have to deal with that. Um, I, I worry a little bit about where his career is going, but you know, again, if he, if he has playing time, you hope that he's able to show what he's got. He's going to be at the end of his contract. So I think what the Texans are maybe thinking is we'll take a chance on this guy. If he shows what he can be, we've got a guy in house. Then we can kind of build around. If if maybe he pops and we want to let him go and he signs a nice contract, we'll get a comp pick back for that. Um, so so there is some strategy on the Texans' part. It does seem like Ryan Pace did pretty well to salvage a little bit of value here because it's not just two and a half rounds. You have those comp picks that are added to the back of the you know a few are added to the back of the fourth round, a lot are added to the back of the fifth, a lot more are added to the back of the sixth. So, I mean, you're talking about. You might be moving up um, you know, 100 picks, right? I mean, is that right? 60, 80. You're, you're, you're getting I mean, like a lo- you're, you're getting a lot, right? I mean, it doesn't yeah. take much for that. It sounds like, well, it's two rounds. And it's like, yeah, but if you if we, <laughs> they finish where we think they will and you, you take into account all the comp pick a- that are added on those rounds, it, it actually does add up quite a bit. And a, a high fifth round pick has some value that you can either get a player that maybe falls for medical reasons or a guy that you think can contribute right away on special teams or something like that, Um, or you can use them to package them up, which, of course, Ryan Pace will almost certainly do.
0: Well, that or his success in fifth round has been really good. He's pulled players out of the fifth round uh, with regularity, which not a lot of GMs do. There's a lot of GMs around the league that have pulled fifth rounders, one every... You know, four maybe five years if they're around that long, and and who gets significant playing time or become a starter. Ryan Pace has gotten you know multiple multi snap contributors out of the fifth round. He is very good with those picks. Now you can say you know why isn't he better with the upper picks? Yeah, that's fine argument, but look, he's been very effective with fifth round picks, so that's not a bad pick to to drop in Ryan Pace's basket.
1: You know, and you're reinforcing the point that we've talked about a lot, which is Ryan Pace and any GM really, but Ryan Pace would be serving himself well if he collected more draft selections. And this is a very good example with Miller where he used multiple selections to go up and target one guy. That one guy didn't work out for a number of reasons, but he didn't work out. And so if you were able to just kind of sit back and take more bites at the apple, more chances at more players, um, you'll have a higher overall hit rate in terms of guys that are going to contribute. So I I think that, you know, again, my drafting philosophy is very different than Ryan Pace's. We've gone over that quite a bit. He's going to get hammered when stuff like this happens, when he has high profile misses or when he has taken... Uh, you know, additional capital from other drafts or in the same draft to move up, and he misses on those players. Those those things get magnified. There's a magnifying glass that gets put on those picks because it's multiple picks and it's it's additional capital that you you staked your claim on. You say you have conviction, and when that conviction turns out to be wrong, you you have painted a very bold target on your back.
0: Yeah, I fully agree. We've talked about this multiple times that that conviction both of us thought it might have been the nail in Pace's coffin in that continually basically short sells on the future by saying, well, I want this guy. And because of that, I'm going to take one of those, again, later round picks, I'm going to add it to a, to a third, turn it into a second or whatever ends up just taking less players overall. And it's not that his player choices are terrible or, or even, Far below average in terms of the number of them that pan out. It's that a good hit rate in the draft for a GM is between 30 and 40%. And if you just run that 30, 40% of five players instead of nine players you know, you could do the math really quickly. You're going to end up with less players and you're going to have to go get those players from another source, whether it's undrafted free agents or signing street free agents, which tend to be more expensive. You're going to have to fill those roles in another way. So sitting pat and letting that, oh, can't miss player get missed might actually in the long run turn out to be a better strategy
1: absolutely so let's let's talk about what the wide receiver room looks like now we're going to start off with Allen robinson and again this is another ryan pace conversation because alan robinson was uh, hit with the franchise tag he signed that pretty early on it's look like he might kind of play around with it and say i'm not going to sign it he kind of looked at the market and was like, "Actually, let me sign that thing real quick because uh, <laughs> it might, might actually be in my best interest to sign this, given the, what the market was shaping up for for wide receivers." So Allen Robinson signed the franchise deal, and we all kind of thought, "Well, there's a chance that maybe Pace can figure this out." And you know, there's some people on Twitter that are like, "Well, you know, the, he can't get the 20 million a year. The Bears don't even have that this year. That's not how the salary cap works." You can sign the contract so that he gets the money up front, but how you account for it is into future years. So there was a way for Pace to sign Robinson to a long-term deal, actually lower his cap number for 2021, which would have allowed him to do other things or maybe try to keep other players, high-profile players, that he ended up cutting uh, from this roster uh, instead of letting them go to basically pay the full freight of the franchise tag in cash for this year pace chose not to do that and then the deadline went past so Allen robinson will play on the franchise tag this year to me that means that alan robinson is almost 100 not going to be a chicago bear in 2022 what do you think
0: yeah i hope that's not true but it's going to be as expensive as it possibly can be if he is a bear so i actually kind of hope maybe it's true from a financial perspective but as a player uh we are both on record multiple times as being a rob stands on this podcast and rightfully so he's a tremendous player i think he is exactly what a franchise needs in a in a 1a receiver i got into a few arguments about twitter where they were like they can't possibly give him deandre hopkins money and i was like really can't possibly are you sure now I would take DeAndre Hopkins just slightly above a but if you look at their production and factor in the quarterbacks that a played with, he's a tremendous receiver. He's easily a top 10 receiver in a loaded league. But the reality is, and I was just saying this on another podcast this week, is that there have been two extremely loaded wide receiver drafts in a row. And GMs are getting wise to the fact that, yeah, I need a 1A receiver and guess what? I might be able to get one in the second round. I might be able to get one in the top of the third round. Now, not all years are gonna be like that, but there is an incredible pipeline of wide receiver development occurring in college because so many colleges have begun to understand and so many pro systems have morphed to be more like college systems. Whereas you used to have to draft a rookie receiver there was a big adjustment period they very rarely you know cracked a thousand yards or had huge impact and now we see at least a couple of guys do that every year we saw from jefferson last year in in minnesota like that potential is there and you don't have to just hit on one because there are many so people are looking at that number for a top wide receiver which is up in the 18 19 20 22 million dollars a year range and going I can draft a guy in fact I could draft two guys if I keep those picks you know trade down one in the bottom of the first or even in the top of the second another one in the bottom of the second or the top of the third and likely get a guy that's going to give me a good portion of that production percentage and pay like 4 million a year for him for four years as opposed to 22 million a year for four years and they're doing that and saying look if you want to go and and test your wares elsewhere look you're a great wide receiver but i could get more of you now it's not a needle in a haystack situation like it was for a long time and don't think that that's not influencing these contract decisions it absolutely is
1: yeah i think with a rob one of the things that you hit on like he's a top 10 receiver I agree with that he's a wide receiver one he gets wide receiver one attention he gets wide receiver one targets and he puts out wide receiver one production even with the bad quarterback play that he's had historically if Andy Dalton's under center in week one Andy Dalton is not a good quarterback he his peak was slightly above average right Andy Dalton will be the best quarterback to ever throw a pass Allen Robinson I will stand by that I truly believe that the thing is He's a lot like Keenan Allen, where he is a guy that runs – he's an incredible route runner. He's a guy that, like, does all the things right. He's kind of quiet, right? He's not a big talker or anything like that. And so he's doesn't make these spectacular, unbelievable catches like Hopkins does, where he he jumps up in, in the middle of, like, seven people and comes down with the ball. Okay, I mean, he can still make big plays down the field, but – it's not. He doesn't have the highlight reel that a guy like Hopkins does. He hasn't played on this amazing uh, offensive system like Michael Thomas, where he's got Drew Brees peppering him with you know 200 targets or whatever it was that one year where he, you know, caught all those balls. Well, I, you put Allen Robinson in that system and and, put, and pluck him in there for Michael Thomas. I don't think the production is very different. And so that that's what I don't think people are giving robinson enough credit for is the system that he's played in has not uh, the quarterbacks that he's played with has not allowed him to show that he's got this potential for amazing numbers but he really does and it's more like in my mind a guy like keenan allen who's had much better quarterback play but gets even a little bit more credit for for how good of a receiver that he is what kills me about this is that i was sure that Allen Robinson was going to be here for the long term, that he was going to break these <laughs> receiving records for the Bears, and now I don't believe that he's going to be here long enough. Because even if he has a great year this year, he's not going to reach Johnny Morris's receiving yards. He's definitely not going to reach Ken Kavanaugh's fifty touchdown catches. He's nowhere near that, um, and 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 I don't think he's going to get uh, the receptions either. And so, uh, but that's Walter Payton. So you know he's he's not going to set any records even though he's clearly the best wide receiver that this team has had since Harlan Hill in the 1950s at least I got to throw that out and so now we're going to have to reset the clock after Robinson's gone and then you're not going to have Justin Fields is not going to have this established number one to ease his transition into the start of his career and so that's the sad thing for me for Robinson but I want to transition over to the wide receiver number two for this year which is Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney, we're all very excited about. Darnell Mooney showed us a lot last year. He came on, honestly, one of the best picks Ryan Pace has ever had. I think we can say that right out of the gate. What can we expect in his second year? And then my question is, does Darnell Mooney have the ability to take the next step and take over for Allen Robinson in 2022 as the wide receiver one?
0: Ooh. I love the two-part question, and uh, just just to remind our listeners at home, what what uh, round did Mooney come out of? Was it five? Five. He was he was a fifth round pick. So just just keep that in mind that Brian uh, Pace does okay with the fifth round picks. Darnell Mooney exceeded all expectations. I love Darnell Mooney coming out, and if you told me he would have had the year he had last year uh, as a as a freshman in the NFL i would have said i think that's pretty rich turns out he is one of those guys that's extremely committed to his craft uh according to coaches makes mistakes very rarely twice uh you love to see that as players progress especially young players and showed a lot more i think than he did on film at tulane and again i liked him i he was uh He was the guy that I said, look, if you can't get K.J. Hamler, go wait wait a couple rounds and go get Darnell Mooney. So I I was all aboard the Mooney train before he became a Bear, ecstatic that he came to Chicago, and then completely blown away that he put down the season he did, Um, again, with some very... large problems on the offense in terms of play calling and quarterback stability and everything else. And he still had an amazing season. And he would have had an an even greater season if he'd had a quarterback like Andy Dalton, who's a little bit more steady uh, and hit him on some of the times that he was wide open. We've all seen those replays a million times. I think you can expect a very good season this year from darnell mooney as a number two i think he roundly deserves being the number two and anybody that was still hanging on hopes for miller to develop that now going into you know year four that's just gone right it was it was mooney's job last year he earned it but we're not going to hear any of that garbage because he is the clear number two on this team and the second part of the question can he take over the year after as a clear number one I'm not sure that he is cut out to be a sort of A1 alpha boundary wide receiver in the NFL. It doesn't mean he's not excellent and that he's not going to have a tremendous career and great stats. It's that things change when you're the alpha, right? The coverage changes. The defense's opinion of you changes. The amount of attention you get Changes in the types of routes that you're, uh, I'll say, allowed to run easily changes. Now, he can win those, but he's not a big guy. And you don't have to be a big guy to be a 1A, but most of them are. Like 80 plus percent of the classic leading alpha wide receivers in the NFL are bigger by quite a bit than Darnell Mooney. So I think he's an excellent number two and will be incredibly productive and may occasionally, even this year, warrant number one coverage on certain routes. And if they don't give it to him, he's going to burn them because he can beat single coverage. He showed that. He can beat press. He can beat people with speed. He can certainly beat people with routes. So he's going to hurt some folks that don't do that. But at the same time, I think if you say, okay, now we're moving him over to that side, He's going to get all the doubles. It might be one of those situations. It reminds me a little bit, quite frankly, of Devin Hester, Mm -hmm. right? Devin Hester was a very good wide receiver. Was he a number one? No, he was miscast in that role and actually was probably less productive because they tried to force him into it. Very good wide receiver, underrated in that role. Uh, but I could see Mooney having a similar drop if you basically take all of the attention that Robinson gets and try and voice that on Mooney and say, do the same thing. I'm not sure that would work. So the bottom line is, yes, there's all this talent available, but the Bears are successfully going to have to go get somebody to replace that role because I don't think that person's on the roster right now.
1: agree. And I wanted to bring it up because I'm seeing a little bit of this undercurrent starting with people realizing that Robinson probably is going to be playing just this year on the franchise tag. And there's a little bit of like, it's Darnell Mooney season, and he's going to take over. And here's the clip of him absolutely juking Jalen Ramsey out on this route. And he was open. But you know, of course, Trubisky sailed the ball uh, 20 yards over his head. Yes, he, he's got skills, and we're all really excited about him. But we have to know that it's because of the strength of Allen Robinson on the other side that he is able to do what he's able to do as the number two. You need more than one of these guys. This isn't 1970s, 1980s football, right? Like, you need a staple of these guys. I mean, honestly, you need three pass catchers that can go out and win and get a bucket for you, right? That's what needs to happen in the modern offense, and Mooney is built to be that number two. He's not built to take that wide receiver one uh, attention. He's not built to take the wide receiver one target load. It's just not what he is. But he is a guy that I think is perfectly set up to develop into a top-notch number two. And that's really exciting in and of itself. Just don't do the Devin Hester thing. Don't force him into a role that is not appropriate for that skill level.
0: Yeah, we've got an example, right? And, and it's... Oh, I'm Not my local team, but the team that's closest to me, which is the Seattle Seahawks, right? And they have Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is an excellent professional wide receiver. Wildly underrated. Really, really good. Not a number one.
1: Love Lockett, but he's not a number one.
0: But he's not a number one. But Seattle kind of sort of forced him into that role, found some other... They're like, he's our best receiver, so he should be a one. And those two things are not always synonymous. Along comes DK Metcalf at a tremendous value in the draft. Who is a one? Let's be honest. He is like the prototype one from a physical standpoint and has shown that. and Lockett is the happiest guy in the their training center, right? He is He is like, look at this. They're all gonna glom on that mutant over there. And I can continue to get single or coverage and a half, and I can beat that because I'm a very good wide receiver, and I'm always open, and I have a almost preternatural connection with my quarterback, and he's going to continue to throw it to me when they double or triple Metcalf. I'm going to make him pay. We're both more effective because he's here, and Chicago's going to need somebody like metcalf or aj brown or you know you can go right down the list Devonte adams julio jones uh you know in my mind chris godwin if you're talking about you know the tampa bay buccaneers even though he plays slot for them or or mike evans right who's another very good outside wide receiver you need that guy and like you said you need more than one so ryan pace gets a chance to evaluate the roster this year beyond mooney with some of the other guys we're going to talk about but you know, if I'm walking into the scout room every week, I'm A, taking them coffee, and B, saying, go find me the alpha I need. And I'm saying that to the pro scouting staff who's coming up on free agency. And I'm saying that to the college scouting staff. And I'm saying, we're going to have a coin flip and maybe we'll take both because we need more than one. But we cannot have a hole because Robinson at this point is pretty much fated to walk. We need, and I stress, need for our young quarterback to get this target not just targets that he can shoot at like we need this target go find me one
1: absolutely all right those are the things that we are sure about that's the wide receiver one wide receiver two we feel pretty comfortable with that, about that we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about what we are still trying to figure out and what we think camp might help us with so stick with us all right ej so we've got some moving pieces here with Miller out of the uh, out of the picture a couple of free agent signings you've got some guys that are still on the roster that you know just haven't stepped up but maybe here's your chance I don't know let's start with the guy that I think is going to be the wide receiver three and that's Marquise Goodwin I think he's got the best pro resume. That's probably why I have kind of gravitated towards that. His best year was a while ago. It's 2017 with the 49ers. He got 56 balls, just a shade under 1,000 yards, only two touchdowns, not a guy that got in the end zone much in his career. He ha- does have the pedigree. He was a former third-rounder, uh, played for Buffalo for a few years, but I think most people know him with the Niners incredibly athletic was just trying out for the olympics uh long jump didn't make the olympic team but again incredible you have to be incredible explosion athleticism to do long jump this guy this guy's fast he's he's not particularly big he's a five nine guy Uh, but but this is a guy with the best pro resume of all the guys that we're going to talk about i think he's got the best shot as long as he can remain healthy uh to to soak up some targets in this offense and establish himself as the number three this year
0: yeah i love goodwin coming out for what he was which is a i think ideally suited to be a number three wide receiver because he has incredible deep speed he's what i call a can opener is he's the guy that you can run deep on a route and take literally take the top off the defense because if you don't keep one of your if you're playing a two deep safety look and you don't keep one of them uh, behind him with a head start, you're going to lose. He's an Olympic sprinter. He was a sprinter at Texas when he was there as well. Very, very fast and pretty powerfully built. He's short, but he is not skinny. He's one of those guys that has what I would call an NFL wide receiver body. It's not a sprinter playing wide receiver. He's a wide receiver who also happens to have sprinter speed. Um, his his route combinations or his... Uh, r- typical routes run let's put it that way have increased throughout his time as a pro that was one of his knocks coming out of texas is that he didn't have a a real diverse route tree got a little bit better in buffalo got a lot better in kyle shanahan's offense um so i think he could be the number three um i wouldn't be at all sad if not he is a devastating four right? Because your fourth cornerback is most likely not as fast as Marquise Goodwin. So when the Bears do go four wide, if he's the fourth, look out. It's most likely going to be a mismatch. They're either going to have to rotate, which a lot of defenses don't like to do, um, or you're going to have to single up Goodwin and and either Dalton or Fields is going to be able to hit that shot However, the next guy we're going to talk about, I think, actually probably has a better shot at being number three this year.
1: Okay, make your case.
0: So the guy we're talking about is Demir Bird, most recently played in New England last year. Also really short and not as powerfully built uh, as Goodwin. He is a small guy, but he doesn't play particularly small. Uh, I watched every NFL game last year, and Bird was one of those guys That even in a bad Patriots passing offense, because Cam had a rough year, got COVID, didn't recover particularly well. The arm never looked great, looked a bit like he was shot putting it compared to classic Cam Newton. It was not not a great passing offense. Bird still made plays. Now, last year was just under 50 catches, just over 600 yards. He didn't score a lot, but he was open a lot more, a lot like Darnell Mooney and there's been talk and this you mentioned at the top that camp is going to help us sort some of these things out there's been talk about taking a rob sliding him in as the big slot and that's all the rage we talked about chris godwin a little bit earlier Uh, there are many examples around the league of guys sliding inside to be productive because they get a two-way go off every release and a rob is a tremendous route runner is good enough to win most of those times That means you're putting somebody on the outside and you're usually running a route to take the top off the coverage because either of the guys you're going to put outside, Mooney or Bird or Goodwin, depending on who you got. You got three sprinters. That's the guy you're going to run deep. To draw the boundary cornerback to influence the safety to open up those spaces underneath so that a rob can win that one-on-one matchup presumably now against a slot corner again unless they've got a corner traveling which a lot of defenses don't like to do and it's a matchup right it's a matchup to spread the defense to put a rob in a more favorable matchup against maybe a less skilled cornerback and have him win So either way, they've loaded up, right? This is kind of like draft picks, right? They got two guys who fill a somewhat similar role. I actually think Bird is kind of a little bit on the way up and may uh, increase those numbers with better quarterback play. And Goodwin has kind of been at that plateau. And if he keeps that, it's great. But it's kind of a ceiling floor debate. They're about the same place. And I think Bird's probably ascending
1: yeah, Goodwin's got a couple more years on him in the league. bert has been around for a little longer than I thought. Uh, sixth year in the league, that's that is surprising. Another guy, similar tenure in the league uh, Justin Hardy. The Bears just signed him today. We're recording this on Tuesday. And this is a guy that just would occasionally chip in on a game that i was watching you know and be like just looks pretty good why doesn't this guy get more targets every you know fantasy stuff every once in a while i was like do i pick up justin hardy because julio jones is hurt and the falcons might target justin hardy you know i mean just this you know it never happens but yeah it, i looked at his numbers incredibly consistent about 20 catches every year played five years for the falcons and just a guy that seemed to be a pretty solid you know wide receiver four for the falcons and so this is not a terrible late season signing this is you know on the eve of camp to get a guy who has been in uh an nfl roster consistently put up numbers contributed this is not a bad signing this is a guy that could absolutely make this roster and be one of the six wide receivers that the bears typically keep
0: Yeah, this is a pressure test for one of the other Bears wide receivers we're going to talk about in a minute, Riley Ridley, right? Riley Ridley, a similar receiver, I think, to Justin Hardy. Justin Hardy, 5'10", 192, played at East Carolina, was redonkulously productive. Now, especially in the era where he played, he played from 11 to 14, that was a very prolific offense zay jones was his running mate uh in that offense uh got drafted a couple of years later eclipsed some of his records but for the last two years that hardy was at east carolina he averaged about 117 catches a high 1300s in yards and nine touchdowns right about 11 and a half 11.8 yards a catch Even if you're in a very prolific offense, if you're tickling 130 catches and damn near 1,500 yards his senior season, You know what you're doing as a receiver. You understand leverage. You understand routes. You understand breaks. You understand hand usage. You understand beating press, even though you didn't see a lot of it at East Carolina. So, this is a guy that knows how to catch the football. Is he going to compete to take a rod spot? He's not, right? That's not how he's built. But is he an almost ideal, like you said, number four guy that can come in, maybe move up to three if somebody gets injured and be productive, go out there and get five or six catches, 80 yards? maybe a score on a given week. Yeah, he's a productive pro receiver. He's got a pro body for sure and understands football. So it'll be interesting and I really think it's not competition for Bird or Goodwin. They play a different role. It's right. direct competition to say, "Okay, Riley Ridley, are you gonna are you gonna push? We got another pro that basically plays your spot. Can you beat him?"
1: Boy, I mean, you gotta handicap that right now. You're not feeling pretty good. You're not feeling that good about Ridley, because Ridley hasn't shown you anything since he's been in the building.
0: I think he's shown less than I thought he would for sure. Again, I was really excited when the Bears picked him up late. Uh he's not flashed. He's uh <laughs> he's certainly not his relative, uh, who also plays in Atlanta. Um but I, I think he's got talent and he has shown some capacity in the very limited snaps he's got but that's the problem right is why are you earning a handful of snaps a season as a guy that was a very capable receiver in a big sec program right why can't you get your way onto the field is it that you don't know your assignments is it that you pissed your coaches off is that the quarterbacks don't like you or you know who knows like nobody's ever had an answer about why riley ridley hasn't produced more or basically had more opportunities to produce because when he's been on the field he's made some catches but it's literally a handful and here's the thing where i think ridley is kind of an ideal number four and that's not a backhanded compliment it's that he doesn't have any sort of game-breaking skill he is a lot like justin hardy And they brought in Justin Hardy. So there's only spot for one of those guys as the sort of fourth pass catcher who can be real steady who's going to win it. And if Ridley doesn't show out in camp, I don't think he makes a team because he's not a big special teams player. So.
1: I think we're seeing it the same way. So you've got you've got Robinson and you and you've got Mooney, obviously settled into their roles. I think Goodwin and Bird. I think some people are reading that as like one of them will make the team. I think both of them are here for this for twenty twenty one. I agree with you that this Hardy signing to me seemed direct competition to Riley Ridley. So that's that's the fifth wide receiver position generally you're going to keep six wide receivers sometimes that number can shift so let's talk about the sixth position here and that is Javon Wims the, g- the other guy that took a shot at the cart at the uh, Saints corner and I'm surprised that Wims stuck on the roster I'll be quite honest with you I-, I did think that they were going to make an example of him because he just hasn't done a ton but he has a body type that is very different than anybody else on this roster he has maybe one guy that uh, we'll talk about that has that can maybe compete with Wims for that position. He's a little bit lower down. He's been on the practice squad the last couple of years. But what are your thoughts on Wims, and is it worth keeping him around to see if that will develop again, or is he basically what he is, and it's time to maybe move on to somebody else?
0: Well, I think he is what he is, and what he is is a fifth or sixth wide receiver with a big body type. And what are my feelings about Wims? Incredible disappointment because the year that we went to camp, the last year the Bears were in bourbonnais Wims was getting reps at the number two spot because not all the wide receivers had reported to camp yet. And he was the guy basically backing up Robinson in every second line round of drills. And he looked great, right? Also, one Mitchell Trubisky looked great great that year this is the camp following the double doink season and expectations were extremely high for the offense and a lot of us looked at each other and went man Javon Wims looks like he could be a a three or a four like he's making plays he looks completely comfortable looks like he belongs looks like he's been there why doesn't this guy get more playing time and he started to they started to work him in and he started to get some more snaps didn't see the production then we saw you know the steam valve pop off and that was a you know a huge no-no on national tv a lot of people like yourself thought he would be gone i thought well they've invested a lot let's see if they can salvage it but the production doesn't warrant basically giving him a pass on that and what you're doing is keeping him around for special team snaps because he's a big guy take punishment he's fast he plays physical but that's like as a gunner he hasn't He didn't look, I've never seen him look on the field like I saw him look that year in camp. He looked really good. And let's be honest, if you're playing in the NFL, you're really good. You were probably the best player in your high school. you were one of the best players on your college team. And, you know, it just, it hasn't translated. Is it time to move on? Yeah. If you see a spark from somebody and we're going to talk about a couple of those guys for the Bears, I don't think you lose a lot you know if they left if there was an expansion draft and they left Javon Wims unprotected which I hope they would you know is is he sure to get picked even no so it's it's not a massive loss he's one of those bottom of the roster guys you like his experience on special teams you like his physicality on special teams but that's really what he is and those aren't guys you protect roster spots for
1: no I agree so let's talk about somebody else on this roster that might surprise and pop up and I know one of those guys is thomas ives for you yeah i like ives and it's
0: because he has potential again do i think he's going to come in and displace anybody for sure that we've already talked about no but in the opportunities he's had which have been limited he's looked a lot better uh than some of his competition which is guys that are you know vying for a practice squad spot, maybe looking for the midseason call-up if somebody gets injured. Um, Ives has got size. He looked incredibly smooth. Again, he didn't look out of place. And as a player coming from a small school, usually there's a pretty big jump there where there's this nasty transition period where you're like, oh, there's your welcome to the NFL moment. You realize that you're probably one of the you know worst 20% of the players on this field. Ives was beating guys again this is you know second and third string corners and safeties because those were the drills he was in but he looked very comfortable very fluid knew how to use his size and it's like hey there's something there how far can you push that how far can he take it when you put him up against the top level of competition is he going to wilt or is he going to continue to develop so again I'm interested to see Uh, If he's continued to develop both physically and sort of mentally, if he's beating guys maybe in those second round drills, right, the second tier guys, as opposed to the third or fourth guys deep in camp, Um, those would be the signs that he was ready to sort of possibly challenge for that last, say, sixth wide receiver spot. Uh, compete on special teams and, and maybe win if he comes in again. He's he's going to be like a fourth wide receiver if he's ever in the game. He's not going to be vying for top three snaps. That's not what he's for. But there was there was something there. I like his game.
1: Anybody else that you're curious about talking about?
0: Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with the return game because Miller was part of the return game. Uh, you know they've got guys that can return but you know maybe some of these other guys again you're gonna to have to make your mark on special teams if you're the fifth or sixth wide receiver it's not there because you're just a great wide receiver that's really the sort of bind that riley Ridley's in is he doesn't do much on special teams so he's got to be kind of one of the top four and he hasn't been to this point so all these other guys are really going to try and make a mark on special teams and one of the ways you can do that is if you're returning and some of the returners are out of the rotation right now. Tariq Cohen is on I think PUP with his knee. Right. And they just lost Anthony Miller. That's two of their top punt return options. If any of these guys have punt return chops and, you know, they break one during camp, they're going to get a look for sort of early season and it's always good to have a guy that can go in there and and hopefully can return kicks as well. Um but other than that, uh, it'll just be kind of a bit like Ives, right? When they're getting those reps, which are gonna be against third string, fourth string, guys that aren't gonna make the 53. Are they winning? Because they have to. If they don't win against third, fourth, or fifth string, there's no hope for them. If they show a couple flashes, win some balls, then you kind of look a little bit deeper and say, okay, maybe that guy sticks on the practice squad and we we work to the, sort of polish the edges of, of what's there and see if we can make it better.
1: We should also mention, of course, the 6th round pick from this year, Daz Newsome. Uh, he broke his collarbone earlier in the summer. I, we don't really know what to expect in terms of what that's going to look like. A lot of times with rookies where you get an injury early on and you kind of come into the system late, they sort of give you a medical redshirt. And I, I have no idea if that's what's going to happen. I, there's nothing out there that suggests that that's, that's the direction to go and he's he's on the, the physically unable to perform list and all that kind of stuff you've just seen it a number of times where you get these rookies that sustain an early injury and the team's like okay that's cool like we're gonna we're gonna put you on injured reserve you're gonna be in the building you know you're gonna learn but you know we're, we're not gonna rush you back you're not gonna play this year I think they expected uh, Newsom to compete for some of those return snaps this year I think that was a very specific use of that pick for him And again, I have no idea if that's what they're planning to do, is to do that medical redshirt kind of thing. But it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see a lot of him this year, given that injury. And you don't want to re-break a collarbone or anything like that. You want to make sure that you give that enough time to heal. So if he is a factor, if he can come back, he could absolutely compete for one of those spots and take one of those spots basically as a returner, a special teamer, work in, you know the offense eventually down the road maybe not even at all this year so that's another guy to keep in mind in this mix but the guys that are healthy and going to be competing in camp early on those are the guys that we want to look at we want to talk about so if you had to pick a top six i think obviously the top two are taken i you and i both agree i think goodwin and bird are both going to make this this roster what rounds it out for you what's five and six for you who do you think comes out victorious in the camp battles
0: It really depends on how they're viewing Newsom's health status, right? It is a broken bone. Collarbones can be tricky because it's kind of the the thing that (laughs) welds your upper body together, but bones heal typically in six to eight. I don't know if they had to plate it. I don't know. It wasn't a compound fracture. He just broke his collarbone, right? You want to give that enough time to heal, especially if you're going to put him in a high impact situation like punt returns. but. If they think he's coming, because he broke it a while ago, right? He broke it in rookie minicamp. He should be almost healed from a bone perspective. And if they think he can work in over the next couple months, I absolutely give him one of those top six spots. He has return ability. He's got deep strike ability. So he has special teams value. He kind of lines up perfectly as a fifth or sixth wide receiver. And I don't think there's anybody that we talked about, whether it's Wims or Ridley, that sort of displaces him from... Uh, a talent perspective. Plus they just invested a draft pick in him. So if they think he can be healthy this year, I think he takes one of the top six spots. And then, boy, I I just don't feel like Wims or Ridley, uh, who were college teammates, um, have have cracked through. They, they both kind of have strikes against him. One is Ridley hasn't gotten on the field until now. Wims is you did get on the field, but you didn't produce when you did, and then you did something dumb. So, they both kind of have strikes against him. I'm really interested to see what Justin Hardy does as he comes in. How fast he? It's all about chemistry with the quarterbacks, whichever ones are throwing to you. Understanding the playbook, being in the right place, being reliable. And if he can do that, look, he's been in the league for a while. He's not a he's not a rookie or a you know one year player. I I wouldn't put it past him that he could take that fifth or sixth spot. Um, if we're talking about it, so that would probably be, if Newsom's healthy, it's A-Rob, Mooney, Goodwin, Bird, Newsom, and then probably Justin Hardy, I would say, just given his experience. But that that's a coin flip, right? Those bottom of the roster guys, bottom of the position group guys are always who makes plays, who shows some value on special teams. I could I could see it be whims just because they're familiar with them and the staff has shown some strong loyalty to players they're familiar with i could see it be ives if he has an unbelievable camp and lights people up on the second team in terms of defense like they might say look we can't expose this guy somebody's going to grab him um or it could be hardy if he's just steady as he goes holds it in there and is reliable and available he could take the spot so uh i would bet on him just because he is an experienced pro uh, and he was super productive in college. So maybe with uh, a little bit more exposure, he, he shows some production as a receiver as well. That'd be enough to keep him on there, but that'd probably be my six.
1: All right. Now, bigger question as we move on. So that's very much a 2021 conversation, but you know, we've just talked about Marquise Goodwin on for a short deal. Demir Bird, short deal. Wims hasn't shown enough, maybe seeding his way out the door. Ridley hasn't shown enough. Maybe he's going to be gone as well hardy obviously short-term deal coming in these are not guys that you're building around this wide receiver room could be set up where the only guy that is on the roster in 2022 is darnell mooney and yeah, everybody else is gone you know what it, we call that a detroit it, yeah it is a <laughs> because they did or, it this year they had yeah.
0: literally one receiver Quintez cephas under contract at one point so
1: right it's
0: it's not unprecedented even in the division
1: So what do the Bears need to think about in terms of, I mean, you know, flipping that roster, if that's what ends up happening here, you know, what what is the thing to do here for Justin Fields to build a, uh, you know, a a diverse array of weapons that he can be successful with?
0: (laughs) I got two words for you, Chris Olave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure, but I don't know
1: that they'll have the pick. I don't know that they'll have
0: the pick either. But for those of you that don't know, Olave was one of Justin Fields' top two receivers at at Ohio State, and he is a tremendous football player. He He could have declared this year he chose to go back, so he will be in next year's draft. Um, assuming he stays healthy. And and if I was Justin Fields, I would lobby for, for Chris Olave because he is, he is a top target and a guy that you really could build a wide receiver core around. But they're going to have to decide how they want to go. They're going to have to decide if they want two or three guys that they have locked up for long-term, and that would be high draft picks, or if they're going to give some medium-length deals as the salary cap raises again next year to sort of uh more <laughs> regular levels and they pick free agents and not everybody's on a one-year mercenary contract and they say, hey, we're gonna grab, you know, a journeyman coming off his first contract to BR three and we really like him. We're gonna pay him mid-level money for a wide receiver, but we're gonna sign him to a two two-year deal with an option for a third, those kind of things. They're going to have to decide whether they want this, whether they want stability, or whether they want the ability to turn over two-thirds of this wide receiver core every year to kind of grab roles and change how the passing offense works. Obviously, a lot of that depends on Nagy and Bill Lazor and how they design the offense and the roles they need to fill. Right now, I think it's pretty clear based on their offseason, they want speed. Right right they signed two very fast free agents. they drafted a guy with very good speed, uh, at least on field speed. his time speed was not really representative, but he plays faster on the field than that. Uh, they wanted guys that could stretch the field. They saw what Mooney could do, but he was the only one. Uh, when you put two or three of those guys out there with a with a very versatile and well-rounded target like Robinson, you start to cause some problems. Defe- speed kills, and the Bears needed more of it in the wide receiving core. They went for it. Now, are they going to try and lock some of that up and use this as a basically an audition, right? Maybe Demir Bird pops off, has 800 yards and five or six touchdowns because he just really gels with Dalton or Fields or both. And they go, hey, we're going to, you know, again, you're at that point a seventh year player. We're going to lock you up for a couple of years because that was a great performance and you and Mooney really caused defense's fits or you know they go hmm all right we got to go find that alpha that's going to be expensive and we're going to backfill the rest of the wide receiver positions with with shorter term beams off free agency um, because they're going to have the ability to do it or low round draft picks or udfas because there's a lot of those too they just have to decide which way they want to take the offense and that's about the rules that they don't have
1: it'll be interesting something to keep an eye on especially this year is honestly this year's is- setting up for me all about justin fields i mean this yeah you yeah, know, tevin jenkins and some other guys we want to you know wanna, you know we want to talk about Kendall vildor at some point you know there's guys that we want to talk about that we want to watch we want to see if they develop into If at some point what it boils down to here is this team's about justin fields and doing what justin fields needs to be the best pro that he can be and i think taking a look at this wide receiver group what Ryan Pace has done to try to change this room, what this camp might do to really, really change it, where there's some some moves that could be made here that uh, will we'll have fresh faces in and, and some of the faces that just haven't, haven't produced to be on their way out. But it's going to be even more interesting for 2022 because all of these guys are on short-term deals, mm-hmm. and there's just going to be huge, huge turnover. And when you've got a young quarterback... Yeah, you know, you, okay. Like I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm at attention. What are you doing here with this wide receiver core? Because at some point, you need that young quarterback to feel comfortable with who he's throwing a ball to. So, interesting stuff. This was fun to look at the wide receivers, but that's all we got for wide receivers. Let's talk about beers and let's get out of here. Yeah, how? How?
0: I'm very interested. How was the beer? Given that it had sat a while
1: and it was a little bit warm. All right, so. Had a lot of potential. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this sounds like a wide receiver scouting report. This is but Riley Ridley in a beer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is- um, I, you know, it's probably not fair to them because it has been in the fridge for probably too long. Sure. Given that it is a milk stout, I probably aged that out a little bit too much. Um, it, uh, it did not drink most of it. Um, it just, it just wasn't. I, I could, I could taste the strong coffee flavor. Uh, which is which is good uh, but the rest of it just felt like "Eh, i think this is just too old so i would like to give it a fair shot at some point if i ever see it again but this particular one needed to be cut from the roster so it is gone fair enough the turk came for your beer that's that's not good bring your playbook beer
0: we're we're done here (laughs) uh no mirror pond is is a quality starter uh i would say like a Good, solid third-wide receiver beer that you can count on all the time. Has a very distinct flavor um, for a pale ale. It's It has more, but you might not like it. It's up there a little bit on the hoppiness scale. It's pretty dark, actually, for a pale ale. Um, it's got some real good caramel color to it. I happen to like that flavor, and it drinks very well in the summer. Um, not a great beer warm, strangely. Not too many are, uh, but best served cold. And uh, the can didn't seem to influence it too much. I'm very used to it in a bottle, and the flavor was sometimes that changes a lot when it goes to a can, um, it tasted quite similar. So kudos to them for whatever they're lining their cans with to keep the, the flavor the same. But um, we've got shows coming up. We've had a lot of interaction with all of you on Twitter, which is great, saying, where are you and what are you doing? The idea was we were in our little bunkers, uh, <laughs> respective bunkers, planning away for the season. We will absolutely be here throughout the season, bringing you the, the weekly content that you're used to. And talking about all things Bears, right? It's fun to be able to focus. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be fun to watch. There's a lot of storylines. And yeah, it does come down to Justin Fields, but he's certainly not the only one. So we're going to be back in future weeks talking about some other position groups and interesting battles. We, I don't think we're going to go through all of them this year like we did last year. We're, we're going to highlight the ones that we find more interesting. Um but it's fascinating. It's getting close, right? Bears are already back in camp. You're going to have full football storylines pretty much from now until the super bowl, which is a very good feeling. The news drought is over. Um, people are back playing and, and we'll be here talking you through it. So keep tuning in. We'll be here. Um, happy to have you listening and we will see you soon. So bear down.